Hello, and welcome to Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial. My name is Joshua Doby, and I'm your host for this hour as we give attention to those things which are economic and financial in nature, taking a look at the things around us that are happening, those kinds of things, perhaps even on a macro level, global uh, kinds of uh, occurrences and global kinds of factors which may be influential to our lives here, but we also seek to break it down to an individual level, meaning that we're going to be talking about perhaps strategies, perhaps even specific companies, investments, funds, ETFs, those kinds of things when we're breaking it down. But in doing so, you remember as a previous listener to Dollars and Cents that nothing that we're talking about here is intended as a specific recommendation for you. Meaning though, even we're going to be talking about those kinds of things, and they may be names that are familiar to you. Actually, we're going to start off in our first segment here in What's Hot with some names that are probably really familiar to you. As we're getting towards the end of earnings season, or what we call earnings season, or those in the financial universe call earnings season as publicly traded companies announce their quarterly earnings. But uh, but in doing so, again, nothing is intended as a recommendation for you. We strongly, strongly recommend that you reach out to your tax advisor, to your financial advisor, or... If you'd like to reach out to us at North Main Financial, if you'd like to set up an initial meeting in these this day and age, it's Zoom video calls, right? Zoom, Zoom or, or Teams. I was on a Teams call uh, here just before we went on the air. Uh, those kinds of, of uh, utilities that we can now, I, I do have to call them utilities. We use them so much now that, uh, that we'd be happy to sit with you and chat about your particular financial situation and to see if there are ways in which we might be able to be helpful to you. Online, you can find us at northmainfinancial.com. That's north like the, like the direction, main like the street, financial.com. Northmainfinancial.com. We have a contact page on there. Leave us an email address, a phone number. Let us know the most preferred and desirable ways for us to contact you. Again, at northmainfinancial.com. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's version of, of Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. And as I alluded just a few seconds ago there, we, we've got a new format. We've got a new time. I, I'm, we're almost beyond the space, I think, where we're going to call it a new time and a new slot. It's almost like old hat anymore. And, uh, and, and certainly we're enjoying this four o'clock hour here on, on Thursdays. And uh, uh, we've broken it up a little bit into different segments. This first segment we're calling What's Hot. Now, when we say what's hot, if you're a first-time listener to Dollars and Cents, I'm not your hot uh, hot stock tip guy. I'm just not. I, I promise you anything we're going to be talking about here is not, again, intended as a buy or sell or hold recommendation for what we're talking about. It's really the kind of things that you may be seeing in your headlines. And we try to be a little bit anecdotal about it, meaning those kinds of things that, yes, are financial, but probably are, are not quite as uh, academic, hopefully, as, uh, as an Econ 101 or 202 class in college. So let's go ahead and get kicked off here. What's hot? I uh, came across uh, my radar screen primarily because they, uh, they had their quarterly earnings report this past week. But Disney, and I don't think I need to explain who Disney is and what they are and what they do, but Disney came out with their quarterly earnings report. And uh, among the things, uh, it's they're always very voluminous, especially for, for very large companies. But among the things, this is, this is pretty serious for a household like mine, they indicated that their streaming service, which I believe that the st- uh, steam streaming service, excuse me, goes by Disney Plus, and, uh, and I believe uh, the numbers indicated that they're going to be increasing their prices for the, subscri- the subscription service for Disney Plus uh, by 20%. Now, 
if you have a household like mine uh, with young children in it, that is a serious business uh, when we're talking about anything that has to do with Disney, Disney movies, and, and, and having the access to it. And I'm sure many of you know, especially if you watch Disney or have young kids who like Disney uh, sorts of things, that there definitely is a demand element. And Disney brought that in-house here uh, several years ago with their own streaming service. And so for the one, specifically I'm thinking about the one that does not have ads. There are a couple different levels. You can have advertisements. You can have one that doesn't have advertisements. For the one that uh, that doesn't have advertisements, I believe it's correct that the price is going to be increasing by 20% uh, coming up here in the next several months. So uh, for, again, for all of those who you are sub uh, subscribers, that's, uh, that's definitely on the what's hot list because uh, that price is going to be increasing. Now, I do think it's kind of interesting. And so if we're looking at this from a sector standpoint, not just wanting to include Disney, but let's talk about other streaming services. You can talk about ones that are as big as Netflix uh, or Amazon, or you can talk about ones that are relatively smaller, like Discovery and Paramount. Uh, again, still large, but but uh, somewhat smaller by comparison. It is an amazing phenomenon, especially when we're looking at it in this day and age about how we consume entertainment. And uh, and there's a lot of jockeying back and forth, meaning that the, that it's not true uh, that it's it's dominated completely by any one player. Now the names that I mentioned, Amazon, Netflix, they're the largest, certainly by market capitalization sort of things. That uh, that they're definitely the largest in the mix there. But Disney's right up there with them, and, and of course you have the heft of Disney, the brand power of uh, of Disney, and uh, and so it's a very interesting thing to consider about how we consume the uh, the streaming service. We're talking about either shows, uh, television-style shows, uh, if they're in a series, or single production movie kinds of things. Pretty interesting stuff. So again, be on the lookout if you're a Disney Plus subscriber. That's going to be something that's uh, that's going to be on your radar screen as that price increases. All right, second hot item here. And uh, and this one's a little bit more academic. I'm not trying to bore you, I, I promise you. But it's important. I, I, I promise that it is uh, CPI. And you've heard me talk a lot about CPI, consumer price index here on dollars and cents in previous shows. When we're talking about CPI, we're most commonly referring to the measures, the most commonly used measures of inflation. Big deal. We may not be too concerned about the numbers, but we definitely understand what those impacts in terms of higher inflation mean. So we just had a print come across here uh, today of 3.2% uh, in, in increase in CPI. Now that's a, a little bit of a flutter up from what it was last month but not too much. And I certainly uh, don't want to be calling it a trend at this point or that we're going in an inappropriate direction. Sometimes there are movements of a couple of ticks in one direction or another in a given month, and they can be for one-time, one-off kinds of measurement anomalies. That, uh, that that probably is what this is. So don't get don't get frightened that uh, they were getting back up to a, a higher inflation level uh, like we had last year, although we're certainly at a higher inflation level than where we've been here over the last decade and a half. And that's really the most important point to keep in mind when we're looking at that kind of thing. We continue to be in a space where inflation is notably higher, but we're closer to the norm. 3%-ish uh, is uh, is much closer to our historical average here over the last 70 years. So definitely something to, to keep on your radar screen. But I think that the movements of the Federal Reserve have brought us to a place where we're we're in the ballpark. Uh, we're, we're getting closer. Uh, they just, uh, Federal Reserve, just we're going to talk about this a little bit later on in today's dollars and cents show. But the Federal Reserve raised rates again, as anticipated, another quarter of a percentage point here about a week or so ago. And uh, they might be out there for one more. Uh, we're going to watch that closely. That'll be in subsequent dollars and cents shows where we're, as we're getting closer and some of the 
not so subtle indicators come from various members of the Federal Reserve Board about what's coming out there. But 3.2 is what you need to know for right now in terms of the current CPI or current inflation rate. And, uh, and the third big item uh, that we're talking about, no, no, uh, no good servant has more than three points. You know that. So three big items here and what's hot on, uh, on dollars and cents. That has to do with the restart of federal student loan payments. Now, I'm going to spend probably, not today's show, but very soon, I'm going to be spending a lot of time talking about that because we've had a three and a half year, almost more like three year, three year hiatus on student loan payments for a lot of uh, folks who have, who have federal student loans. That's very, very important to keep in mind. Because that will impact if you're if you have federal student loans and you've been getting deferred on them and not having to make payments on them, that's going to be re restarting here in about two months. So you want to make sure that that's on your radar screen. You want to make sure that you're paying attention to that relative to your budget. Because for a lot of folks, understandably so, if it hasn't been a part of your budget here for the last couple of years, it's hard to keep that allocation in your budget. It's it's hard to set aside those dollars or to act like you're going to have to, to get back into that kind of space. You're going to want to be careful about that. You're going to be careful relative to the planning on your budget. Again, federal student loan payments going to be starting here shortly. Well, friends, uh, we're rapidly closing the first segment here and talking about what's hot. Stay with us after we get through a word from our sponsors. You're listening to WSIC here on Dollars and Cents. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. My name is Joshua Doby, your host for the hour. Thank you so much for hanging with us into the second segment here of, uh, of our hour-long program. I've got to tell you, I really like having an hour. And it's not because I like to hear the sound of my own voice, but there's always so much stuff going on. There, there's so many things to, to share and to, and to talk about and, uh, and, and to review. We're going to be getting into some other things here uh, anecdotally, but I want to offer up. If you would like to, to give us a call here at the studio, love to chat with you. Not going to promise that everybody's going to get their questions answered or that we're going to be able to get through all of them. So I don't want to give you any unnatural expectations, but if you have a particular item uh, where you'd like to have a discussion point, you're seeing something in the news or the kinds of things that are sitting out there, you say, boy, I'd like to hear more about that. Uh, first of all, I'll tell you if I don't know anything about it, I promise you. If there's something that, uh, that you ask, I say, you know what, that's not my wheelhouse or not my expertise. So probably not going to be able to be too much of a help to you there. But if it is, uh, certainly as we can fit it into our show here on Dollars and Cents, love to bring it up because we want this show to be relevant to you when we're talking about all things economic and financial here on Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial. If you'd like to give us a call here in the studio, and uh, and yes, for those of you who don't make many phone calls, yeah, you actually got to dial a number. It's a big deal. All right, so you got you got to actually dial a number eight four four Studio Four. That's eight four four Studio Four. So when we're looking at the numbers, they're eight four four seven eight eight thirty four sixty four. Again, eight four four seven eight eight thirty four. 64. Well, we'd be glad to take your questions. And again, if we have time and opportunity to integrate them into the show, certainly be happy to do that. But, uh, but I want to share with you a couple of things. And this, this one's anecdotal. All right. I, I'm not going to, uh, to say that this is uh, a financial impact item, but it happens to be on the front page of the second section of today's Wall Street Journal. You know, I read the Wall Street Journal. I know many of you do in order to keep up with what's happening in the financial and economic universe of things. I, I, I do have to offer this up and I say this 
this probably because I have young daughters. And uh, when I see that in the middle of the page, and if you're watching me on, uh, on Facebook Live here or any of our streaming services, uh, some brides say yes to the $100,000 dress. Saying yes to the 100000 And they're talking about uh, wedding dresses. $100,000 wedding dresses. I, I, I don't really know what to say much after that, <laughs> except to say that and it's not just one, but it, but it could be upwards of three. Uh, the three, three wedding dresses in one day. There are uh, changes. There, there, are a wedding, there are wedding dress changes during the course. My goodness, that's, um, that, that's, I'd, I'd be scared to wear something like that if it cost that much. But, uh, but anyhow, so anecdotal there. Yes, it is financial. Yes, it is. I mean, it's, I mean, it's on the front page of the second section of the Wall Street Journal. I, I think we have to at least give some measure of, of uh, reflection on it. All right, so anecdotal. But let's get in here in the second segment of this week's Dollars and Cents show. Uh, some data points which, uh, which, which have come out here, and we're going to spend this second segment now that we got to the, uh, the silly stuff like that, although not silly. If you, you, know, you get a $100,000 uh, wedding dress, yeah, that's, that's unique and, uh, and, and somewhat interesting. But let's talk about some things here, financial, and some things that may be uh, relevant to you. Bank of America, and uh, again, not, not talking about Bank of America in terms of recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any of the securities of Bank of America, but rather because they did a survey recently of about 4 million participants in 401ks. So when you're looking at a sampling, that's not everybody who is um, a participant in a 401k, but I think with 4 million folks here in, uh, in the U.S., pr- primarily because B of A is, uh, is just going to be talking about um, the kinds of things that they're seeing in plans that they manage, uh, you're, you're going to be seeing things like uh, what their common ba- or what the average balances are and wh- how folks are contributing to those plans. I think that's somewhat uh, helpful in understanding where folks are. First of all, uh, when you think about 401ks, if you're not familiar, that's a very common kind of retirement plan and the kind of thing that um, uh, that you may have as part of your work with your employer. What do you think are, are the average balances? And I'm saying average balances in a, in a 401k. This includes folks of all ages and folks of all incomes. And what do you think of the average balances? And I've heard all kinds of answers. And obviously that's semi-rhetorical, unless you're going to call uh, producer Bill and let him know what your thoughts are uh, on that in, uh, in, 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 uh, in calling us here at the office. But, um, but when we're looking at actually the average balance, about $80,000 in a 401k. So when you look at all of the balances in terms of those who are just starting out to those who are later on in life, about $80,000 in, uh, in a 401k, which may sound like a lot of money, but actually when you're looking at it in retirement, it may not be that much, especially when you're looking at it as a source of income. Now, the good news is that B of A's uh, survey or their, or their analysis of these 4 million participant, participants in 401k plans, it's good that their balances have on average increased by about 10% here over the last year and a half. Some of that probably due to uh, market appreciation, some of it due to contributions, but either way, uh, that, uh, that they're seeing that those kinds of things are uh, growing in, uh, in some way, shape, or form. So that's good. Now, there's another side to that as well as part of their analysis. And uh, they've also seen B of A among these 4 million participants uh, in these various 401k plans. They've also seen uh, hardship withdrawals, those kinds of withdrawals that are made for specific financial hardships, be they for medical reasons, be they for disability, be they for uh, other kinds of serious life event sorts of things. They've also seen hardship withdrawals go up 36% 
year over year. So literally more than a third more where we're seeing an increase in uh, in hardship withdrawals. Now, I'm not going to get into the business of trying to extrapolate too much as to why that may be uh, the case, because there never is a binary answer to that. Uh, but certainly it is true that there is a higher demand. And I think a 4 million uh, participant database is at least indicative of, uh, of some of the things that are a part of other parts of the financial universe, it certainly is cause for pause. You know, why are we seeing such a huge spike here on a year-to-year basis in terms of hardship withdrawals? Obviously, again, there's no binary answer or single answer to that. There are a number of reasons why, but, uh, but it's definitely something that we want to keep in mind. And that, that leads, that's actually a good segue when we're thinking about hardship kinds of things. Let's blend that into interest rates. And I, and I don't say that because interest rates in and of themselves are uh, bad, wrong, but we have seen a significant increase in interest rates here over the course of the last year. And it has also been true in, in, uh, in our observational experience, again, via more scientific data collection uh, sorts of things, that we're seeing some folks struggle, especially folks who have variable rate uh, mortgages, variable rate lines of credit, variable rate uh, uh, credit card rates. We're seeing, we're seeing a lot more folks in a lot more of a uh, financial struggle space because of where we are with where interest rates are right now. So we actually had a caller, Justin, calling in, asking about the relationship between the, Fed, uh, the Federal Reserve raising rates and mortgage rates. And you've heard me talk about this, I know, on previous occasions. Thanks, Justin, for calling in. Appreciate that because I think that touches so many folks. Well, frankly, it touches everybody who has a mortgage, even if you have a fixed rate mortgage, because in the determination of those mortgage rates, you know, how does that happen? Is there a one-to-one kind of correlation between what the Federal Reserve has done here over the course of the last year and a half and mortgage rates? Well, the, the answer is no. It's not a one-to-one or direct correlation. I mean, it doesn't mean that if the Federal Reserve increases the overnight lending rate by, let's say, a quarter of a point or a half a point, which they've done numerous times here over the last 15 months, that mortgages are going to increase by a quarter point or a half point. Actually, when, when you look at it, um, it there's loose, let's call it loose correlation. There definitely is a relationship. So I don't want to get too far away from that idea and say that there's no relationship between the Federal Reserve raising rates and mortgages because there absolutely is. It's just not one-to-one. And so that sometimes I'll hear folks say that, say, well, you know, if, if uh, the Federal Reserve increases the overnight lending rate by 50 basis points or half percent, then mortgages are going to increase by half percent. That's just simply not true. There are many, many, many other factors that go into the rates which are offered for mortgages. Not going to get into all of that underwriting process right now, but it is important for you to know that there is a correlation between the two. I mean, you don't have to believe me. Just take a look at where mortgage rates, new mortgage rates are right now, as opposed to before the Federal Reserve started raising interest rates back in March of 2022. It was very common. I, I'm sure you saw them. If You may even have one. That's uh, that's sitting out there. You saw the 30-year fixed mortgage in the three percent range of things, not just three between three and four. Heck, there there are some. I mean, I saw out there that started with a two. It was unbelievable. I mean, it really was amazing to see how low those mortgage rates were again before the Federal Reserve started started increasing the overnight lending rate here about almost a year and a half ago now. Now we're looking at 30-year fixed mortgages, and I don't have to tell you if you have bought a home recently or have uh, or have looked to take out a line of credit on your home or in looking at uh, refinance possibilities for whatever reason if you needed to get equity. Now we're looking at 30-year fixed uh, mortgage rates north of 7%. 
And, uh, and there are all kinds. There, there are 15-year mortgages out there. There are variable rate mortgages. So you may or may not be in that range. But the average, and this is uh, as produced by, uh, by Dow Jones and looking at averages across the country, uh, north of 7% on a, uh, on a 30-year fixed mortgage. So you're talking about more than double or right around double of what it was uh, here about a year and a half ago. Now, in that same time, this is what I was talking about. It's not a one-to-one correlation, but it definitely needs to hit your radar screen. The Federal Reserve has increased the overnight lending rate uh, percentage by about 550 basis points, give or take, uh, between 525 and 550 basis points in that time. And mortgage rates have gone up about 350 basis points. So I say that not to bog you down uh, or, or bore you to tears, but say again that there's not a one-to-one correlation with it, but there absolutely is a relationship. And that's why it needs to be on your radar screen. I mean, folks, if you're, if you're looking to buy a home right now, you're looking to take out a mortgage, it is a structurally different universe now than it was a year and a half ago. And that's especially important when we're talking about budget-related kinds of things. That's especially important when we're looking at how much do you make for a down payment? What kind of home do you buy? I mean, we have, we have conversations at North Main Financial constantly with, with clients whether they're moving because they have to or whether they're moving for a new job opportunity or whether they're looking maybe to downsize uh, as they're getting into retirement or they're looking to uh, maybe look at a vacation home, which has its own world with regards to interest rates now or investment property kinds of things, commercial real estate, all of those kinds of things that, that are out there relative to how, how the interest rate universe is. And it's just structurally different. And so when, we, when you're looking at that, it absolutely impacts budget. If you're looking at it as an investment, the cash flow impact on things is definitely different than what it was uh, here again a year and a half ago. So it absolutely does. So even though I know it, the academic and the numbers get a little bit uh, – bogged down unless you're someone like me who really gets excited about those kinds of things. But I understand it. You really want to be watching that though, if you're looking at it with regards to your budget and if you're looking at it with regards to an investment and if you're looking at it with regards to your business and making a purchase, you know, does that make sense? Perhaps you need to adjust your buy prices a little bit as you're looking at uh, where those kinds of things go. Well, uh, that's uh, coming to the end here of the second segment here on Dollars and Cents. We're going to hear a word from our sponsors. You're listening to WSIC News Talk Now. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. Thank you so much for hanging with us into the second half of this week's show on Dollars and Cents. And if you're a first-time listener want to make sure you understand a little bit of what, what we're doing here, because sometimes we talk on anecdotal sorts of things, I do sprinkle that in intentionally. I, I don't want to bore you with the academic stuff. I, I do get excited about it. I actually, in getting excited about it, I'm thinking about uh, actually the this morning's show here on WSIC. Uh, good morning, LK with uh, Justin Kazepas and and, and uh, producer Bill, you're going to have to make sure I'm, I'm doing this correctly. The word of the day, uh, ikigai. Yes, uh, that's the one. Japanese uh, derivation uh, in, in terms of its origin and uh, talking about what our life's purpose is or what, what, what is our passion or our meaning. What, why do we do what? We, I absolutely love this stuff. I do. 
I, I, this, it, I know it might mean I'm a little bit crazy. I'm okay if you think that, uh, but I do love this stuff. This is, uh, it's important and it's important. Yes. In terms of understanding how it goes together and in terms of, of, of how we put things in our financial lives and make the decisions that we do. But it's, uh, but it's also important because you, you have the ability to make good decisions and looking at what comes next, even if you're in a space that's a little bit tougher right now. So that's important. So I, that's why I, I get enthusiastic and I enjoy sharing this kind of thing with you. But I also do share some anecdotal uh, kinds of things as well, like $100,000 wedding dresses, which still blows my mind. But uh, the Wall Street Journal thinks it's important. So we got it, we got it in, uh, in today's journal if you haven't read it yet. All right, let's, uh, let, let's move on. Yeah, here on Dollars and Cents, uh, presented by North Main Financial. If you'd like to give us a buzz uh, here in the office, like we uh, were able to do here in the first half of this week's show, if you'd like to give us a buzz here at the studio and uh, perhaps you have a specific question, can't promise you we're going to get to it, but if we can integrate it into today's show, uh, we want to make sure that it's relevant, want to make sure that there are things out there. If you have questions about them, something on your radar screen, I'm not going to get into specifics in your specific space, but it's more of a general idea and a more of a general kind of topic where you may just be curious or want some further clarity or clarification. Like I said, I'll also tell you if I have no idea. So I promise not to give you anything that I don't know, but uh, but feel free to do that. 844-STUDIO-4, 844-788-3464. Again, 844-788-3464 here in the studio. So you have a question for us you'd like us to touch on, please feel free to do that. All right, we're going to keep moving here. Second half of the show. I want to touch on this, and I'm, I'm primarily touching on the, on this data point. Uh, I mentioned it in the first half of the show, but I want to make sure that you're aware of it. That it's on your radar screen. It's very, very important. It has become the number one consumer debt in the country, and that has to do with student loans. You heard me talk about how if you have federal student loans, and, and they've been on deferment here for upwards of three years, meaning that you haven't had to make payments on those federal loans. That was a COVID-related policy uh, enacted through the Department of Education, where there was deferment or, or again, there was the ability not to make payments on your federal student loans. You could have, and, and many of you I know do that, even though there wasn't a requirement to do that, but you didn't have to. And really, it was just a point of caution. If you haven't been and you have some large federal student loans sitting out there, the payment schedule is coming, coming up, meaning it's going to restart here in a couple of months. Very, very important for you to keep that in mind. It's actually going to be uh, at the end of September. It's very, very important to keep in mind that if you do have federal student loans and you haven't been paying on them because of deferment, because of the programs that have been put in place, that were put in place uh, due to COVID-related kinds of things, that, that, that program's ending. And so you're going to be responsible for the monthly payments on those federal student loans. Big, big deal. Sidebar in terms of student loans, when I say it's the number one uh, consumer debt in the country, even exceeding uh, credit card debt, $1.6 trillion dollars. 1.6, and that's directly from the Department of Education, so that's that's not uh, even an extrapolation. $1.6 trillion in student loan debt out there. It's huge. I mean, we have conversations literally every week at North Main Financial when we're doing planning, when we're talking with folks about the kinds of things that are on their radar screen. Uh, student loans, if they're already incurred or if they're looking to incur them in order to do undergraduate or postgraduate uh, kinds of things, it's huge. Had a conversation this morning, uh, just to share with you. Obviously, not going to share uh, name details, but uh, but I had a conversation this morning uh, with some folks who were looking at graduate school kinds of things. It's going to cost them one hundred and seventy-five thousand uh, dollars in uh, in in 
in uh, tuition and room board uh, kinds of things. $175,000. It's on top of what they already paid for undergraduate uh, kinds of things. $175,000 are going to have to take out a pretty good sized student loan to pay for all of it or very nearly all of it. And uh, the, the, the commentary was because they, they had about $50,000 in undergraduate uh, student loan debt. And this is obviously someone who's going into some advanced schooling uh, here in a professional degree that, uh, that, that actually the combination of their student loan debt was going to be larger than their mortgage. And I see that a lot. And, uh, and I don't say that to provide commentary in a political sense one way or the other. It's just a mathematical fact. And I see that a lot where student loan debt can be as much or larger than, uh, than someone who has a mortgage on, on a uh, piece of property or a home in which they live. So it's a very, very big idea. It's very, very important. Uh, what, you know, whatever your uh, particular political persuasion on it really doesn't matter for this discussion, except to say it's a very big deal. So I want it to be kept on your radar screen because here in, in less than a couple of months, you're going to be responsible again for those student loan payments. Very, very big deal. All right, next big item, and I. So I'm on one end of the spectrum, especially if you're uh, if you have student loans or or if you're looking at taking student loans. I'm on one end of the demographic. I'm going to swing all the way to the other end of the demographic and talk about Social Security. Now I know this applies to a lot of you, and if it doesn't apply to you, it could be a part of your financial planning. We do a lot of Social Security planning uh, at North Main Financial as we're looking at what the options are and uh, and how they apply and what's different if you are a widow or a widower or divorcee uh, and how that goes together in terms of how you can claim your benefits at what age, what impacts uh, there are if you claim earlier or later, can you start and stop, all of those kinds of things. Lots of, we're not going to touch on all of them here on Dollars and Cents today. But I want to make you aware because we're starting to see some of the estimates. They'll actually become uh, official uh, probably in about October is usually when the uh, Labor Department makes it official. But uh, we're starting to see some estimates for what the cost of living adjustment is for this coming year, meaning beginning in January of 2024, what the cost of living or COLA adjustment increase is going to be to Social Security income for 2024. And as we sit right now, uh, it looks like it's going to be right around 3%. The algorithm, without getting too granular on it, but yeah, don't, don't, don't leave me here. I'm, I'm not going to get too far into this. The algorithm basically takes June, July, August and, uh, and, and looks at a rough average of CPI with some things excluded uh, to be able to say that that's what our cost of living adjustment should be. If you recall last year, we had the largest increase in, in COLA or the largest increase in Social Security benefits uh, due to cost of living adjustment that we've had in the last 40 years. And that's because of where inflation was last year. So we had an increase last year. If you're receiving Social Security, know exactly what I'm going to say next. We had an increase that was announced last year, uh, came into effect in January of this year, 8.7% in one year. So, and then before, the year before that was north of four, excuse me, north of 5% the year before that because of higher inflation. So we've had a huge amount of movement here in just a couple of years, yes, to combat inflation, but on a relative basis, some pretty significant kinds of increases to social security income here in the last couple of years. This 3% projection, probably going to be more like, uh, like normal, if you will, I'm putting uh, normal in quotes, because we had a number of years where we didn't have much of an increase at all because inflation was unnaturally low. So, uh, so definitely something to keep on your radar screen. We're also going to see some increases in Medicare uh, premiums as well. So you're going to see that kind of thing coming through uh, also. But definitely if you're a Social Security recipient um, or you're planning to take Social Security, you want to be aware 
of the uh, of the cost of living projection. It does, like I said, it doesn't become official from the Labor Department until about uh, October, mid-October is usually when they announce those kinds of things. Definitely something to keep on your radar screen, though, especially because we've had much larger than normal increases here for the last couple of years. Doesn't look like that's going to be the case for this coming year. So very, very important. Again, if you're a Social Security recipient or are planning to take it here soon. A couple of anecdotal points on that, just as I was doing my review of, of this particular white paper and in, in looking at that. Uh, about 40% of, uh, of Social Security recipients here in the country. So these are the folks who are receiving Social Security. Social Security comprises 50% or more of their overall retirement income. And actually about 15%, 1-5, where it comprises 90% or more of their retirement income. So Social Security, a very, very big deal in terms of how, uh, how it's used by, uh, by recipients and then also their dependency on it. In, uh, in retirement. So something uh, very, very important to keep in mind. You probably have heard also while we're talking about it, and I'm just going to touch on this subject briefly, about, uh, about the insolvency or the mathematical uh, challenges that, uh, that Social Security has in terms of the number of folks who are drawing on it and the Social, Social Security fund balance. You try saying it 20 times in a segment. You're going to start to get tongue-tied too. But, uh, but you probably have heard all about uh, how that goes together. And, and I'm not going to get into too much of the details here outside of making you aware that, yes, mathematically at this point, Social Security is going to need to reduce benefits. And uh, now there, there always are things that Congress can do over the course of the next eight to 10 years uh, when that's going to uh, be a, a very real issue between here and there. But folks, there are only two things that can happen. You either reduce benefits, you increase the tax or increase the revenue uh, into the fund or some combination of the two, which is probably, at least historically speaking, what they're going to consider. So again, if you're a Social Security uh, recipient, you want to be mindful of that increase that's uh, that's coming your way uh, come January, it's probably going to be a little bit more normalized. It's going to be a little bit closer to that 3% range, which, uh, which again, smaller than what we've had here in the last couple of years, but still an increase and certainly larger than some of those ones that we received three, four, five years ago that, uh, that were much smaller. I remember one was 1.1 or 1.2. That's Geez, almost not even worth it at, uh, at that time. But anyhow, well, we're going to take a quick break here as we hear from our sponsors. You're listening to Dollars and Cents here on WSIC News Talk Now. Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby, thank you so much for hanging with us into the into the fourth quarter, the home stretch. Uh, you know, on on our way to home plate. There you go. You get you get horse racing. You get football. You get a baseball analogy all all up front, right? Okay, we're in the fourth segment of things here. In uh, in, in looking, I'm looking at producer Bill, and he was a professional lacrosse player, so he's wondering where where the lacrosse. I, I don't have one. I'm sorry, I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not that gifted, Bill. This this is as good as it gets. But uh, but thank you so much for hanging with us here on uh, the fourth uh, segment, fourth quarter here of uh, of dollars and cents. If you'd like to reach out to us here at the studio, and uh, and like I said in the previous segments, we were able to to carve some things in. We're not always able to do that. But if you'd like to reach out to us here at the studio, something on your mind, financial, economic, maybe something you read in the news, something that you've experienced, family members experienced. I'm not going to get into obviously personal details here on the air, but happy to hear from you and because we want this show to be pertinent we want it to be relevant we want it to be helpful to hopefully your financial life so that you can make good and informed decisions 
you got to call us. I mean, it, it's a phone number. I know a lot of you don't like to call. Uh, I mean, there are a whole bunch of folks I, I I call and I get text messages back. It's very, I know, It's it, I'm an old man and that's just the way that it is. 844-788-3464, 844-STUDIO-4, if you're looking at the letters there, 844-788-3464. Let us know what, uh, what's on your mind as far as all things economic and financial are concerned. If we can carve it in to, uh, to our talk here, we certainly would want to do that. All right. So in the fourth quarter, or in the fourth segment here on Dollars and Cents, we very often are talking about those kinds of things to keep on your radar screen from a market standpoint, from maybe even from a planning standpoint. And and I really do have to bring up something from a market standpoint, looking at where things are uh, right now. It's been an interesting couple of weeks. And, and I say that really in contrast to the first half of this year, even through July, I really can say that. Here is as we're getting to, uh, goodness, the, the middle of August. I, I don't know about you. My girls went back to school today. I mean, it's the summer's over. I mean, it's, 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 it's business as usual. I mean, it's, it's saddle up. It's, uh, there's another metaphor. We, I mean, I got, got, that's all we're going to do. Just metaphors nonstop here. Uh, so we guess it, we're back in it, right? We're back, we're back into the routine, early mornings, going to bed early, all those kinds of things. Oh, geez, mid-August. Here we go. But, uh, but in looking at it, especially as we're looking at market performance here, first half of the year through July, even into the, the beginning parts of August, uh, definitely some shift. I can't call it a trend yet. This may be just a breathing point. Wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. But, uh, but in the first half of the year, let's, let's make it easy. Let's talk about the first half, uh, the first two quarters of this calendar year. Uh, really, I was, it was here, here's my, here's my uh, dime word for the day. Dichotomous market, right? We had two, two sections of it. We had one section that was, uh, that was very, very robust, very, very positive. And I'm speaking, obviously, in broad terms here. Not every company, not every sector in the technology end of things by biotech end of things was uh, what was was positive but boy certainly as measured by our most popular indices it was red hot and if you look at most other sectors I'm going to highlight the easy ones I'm going to look at financials look at energy I'm looking at utilities looking at healthcare in the first uh, first half of the year it was flat to negative so very very different very very segmented uh, performance in the market now here over the last couple of weeks it's begun to get muddy again. And, and I, when I say muddy because it, there hasn't been the same kinds of clear movements uh, that there were in the first half of this year. And actually, I, I would say, and I, this may make you think I'm crazy, uh, and you might be right, but I actually like it. I, I like it a lot, and that's really just my personal commentary to it because there needs to be some reversion to the mean at some point. Meaning if you're performing way above the mean, I know this is going to get mathematical again, but follow me here. If you're performing way above the mean uh, for an extended period of time or the average, then at a certain point, stay with me, you got to perform below the average in order to get, you got it, the average. So when we're running hot, we're running above what we expect. I like nice numbers. I like when things grow fast. I like looking at double digits when I'm expecting single digits from a performance standpoint. I get it. I completely get it. But there is going to be, you know, the, the, the dime phrase, reversion to the mean, uh, coming back to Earth, coming back to, there, there you go, there's an astrological uh, metaphor there. We're, we're going to come back at a certain point. We're going to, we're, there is going to be something that is going to be more normalized in order to balance out the experience a little bit. And that's what we share with folks all the time. It's amazing. And I, and I, I know I've shared this with you countless times here on Dollars and Cents. It's amazing to me how folks think in straight lines when it comes to market performance. Truly. 
It truly does. And I'll just say it this way. When things are going up or positive, uh, especially over an extended period of time, let's call it months, maybe even a couple of years, folks uh, either overtly or covertly absolutely do believe that things are going to keep going up forever. You don't even have to believe me. Just watch the so-called financial experts on almost any business news channel after we've had an extended positive run. It's amazing how they think it's just going to keep going. Every once in a while, you get somebody on there that says, you know what, this isn't right. It's not going to stay like this forever. And you're probably not going to hear or see them again. But it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing phenomenon. It happens every single time. I've been doing this 28 years, and it happens every single time. And I've seen it happen again this year. Big tech or big technology companies, generally speaking, very, very positive first half of the year. Where are you seeing the majority of inflows in terms of intensities of money into the market? Into big technology. Where are you seeing outflows? Out of the sectors that I told you about uh, in terms of not being as, uh, as robust or not as hot, and in some instances even negative in terms of their performance in the first half of the year. Healthcare, utilities, uh, you know, financials, you know, money just whooshing out. Of, uh, of those kinds of holdings. So it's, it's an amazing phenomenon. By the way, we do the exact same thing uh, in a negative market. When we have an extended negative market, you see the exact same thing. You see folks who are continuing to say that the market's going to be negative and even more negative. And it's almost like a race for the bottom. Just like in the other way, it's a race for, race for the top. It's amazing. Happens constantly. Don't believe me. You don't have to believe me at all. Just watch and watch the so-called experts and the kinds of prognostications that they make. Very rarely when something is moving in either direction do they look in the opposite direction and say, that's where we're going next. So very, very interesting. Even though, I don't know, 110 years of market history, pretty much the case at some point. Sometimes the cycles are longer, sometimes they're shorter, but you can almost guarantee, I know I can't say that word too much, but you can almost guarantee that at some point it's going to be going in the other direction sooner rather than later. So I'm raising that in terms of looking at, again here, uh, as, as we're moving into the end of summer and the fall season, uh, it can happen. You've heard me talk about this on previous Dollars and Cents shows here recently. I'm seeing it a lot at North Main Financial. I'm seeing it come across my desk a lot. I uh, literally had uh, one of those conversations again this morning in looking at uh, portfolio performance. And one of the things that that I'm saying is that oh we got we've got some we got some unbalance here we got some things that are skewed now because we've had outperformance in some things that we didn't anticipate would grow as much so now they are larger portions of the overall portfolio than in my opinion than they should be so it may be a good idea to what we sometimes call rebalance or to sell some of the high and buy some of the low. Uh, in, in terms of rebalancing. Now, that's not true for everybody. It's certainly not a blanket recommendation or something that I'm, I'm saying that everybody should do, but it definitely is a consideration point. It definitely is something that you want to keep in mind because you may be taking more risk than even that you know. And it can happen innocently. It's not like you're intentional about it because we're talking about market performance. If you're one of those people who you know, looks at your uh, performance uh, sheets or you're looking at your, your statements once a year or once every 18 months or so, I, I get it. You may not even know. Uh, but, uh, but if you do, and I would encourage you to do it a little bit more frequently than that, you may want to take a look at it to make sure that you're not taking more risk than perhaps you even know. Now, it may be true that you say, well, those things are hot. I'm going to ride that horse. Another metaphor. Uh, I'm going to ride that horse as long as we can. Uh, to be able to uh, to see how how long it's going to go. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing. There's nothing inherently. I should say this way. There's nothing inherently wrong with that, depending upon what your objectives are. So I, I'm offering this up really as a point of consideration, not because everybody should uh, to, should do it, but rather that folks should take a consideration with it and make sure that as you're looking at your portfolio, you understand how much risk you're taking. You hear me say this a lot as well, and but this is 
absolutely vital when we're thinking about the risk management end of things and its description of how most folks look at it. Most folks don't know how much risk they're taking until they've taken too much. Truly. I mean, if you're taking a lot of risk and all the numbers are positive, you're feeling pretty good. You certainly don't feel like you, you don't, you don't feel like you're teetering, right? However, if you've taken too much risk and things go negative south quickly, which again, high risk kinds of things can do, boy, you really feel it. You feel it psychologically, you feel it emotionally, you may even feel it physically as you're looking at where things are. So I, I take this opportunity because I want you to be thinking about these things before it's too late. Because after you get the other side of the hill, and I'm not saying it's close, I'm not saying it's far, I have no idea where it is. But after the, you get to the other side of the hill, it's too late. Now you're just in a wait mode and you're hoping for things to recover back to where they were, which they may or may not do, depending upon what you own and the style of investment that you have. So I encourage folks to do it. You know, do it when you don't want to do it. Do it when things are going well. There's nothing wrong with taking some of those gains especially now that we have some higher interest rate savings account, money market account possibilities, which we haven't had for more than 15 years. I'm excited about it. I know it makes me a little weird. I'm excited about it. Now we're finally getting some opportunities with cash and cash style investments that do not go down in value and, and often are guaranteed by the FDIC if they're bank related uh, kinds of things. So where if you take some of those gains and you're stashing them into uh, a money market account, you actually can earn some money on it while you're waiting. And then folks say, well, how long do I wait? Don't know. Uh, it's different for everybody. And no, I can't predict when it's going to bottom out and return again. It's, that, that's impossible for, for anybody to do with any legitimacy. But what I'm talking about are probabilities. And when, I'm, when we're looking at portfolios and we're looking at performance and we're looking at how, at how things have moved, there is a benefit of being in this almost three decades. And you do get to see patterns and you do get to see tendencies and you do get to see uh, money flows and acceleration of money flows and where they go and why and, 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 and all of those good kinds of things and, and many more. So that's really why I'm offering that up for, as, as a point of consideration because it's not true that just because something has gone up that it's going to continue to go up. Big, big deal. All right. We're rapidly approaching the end of this week's Dollars and Cents show. Let's do a lightning fast recap. I got to start. Uh, $100,000 wedding dress? No. Uh, I, I can tell I can tell my daughters that with confidence that we don't have to worry about those kinds of things. But the Wall Street Journal thinks it's important. So say yes to the $100,000 dress if, uh, if indeed that is your inclination. More seriously, Social Security, 3% bump up. Looks like it's going to be happening in uh, in January, student loans. If you have federal student loans, which have been in a deferment program here for the last three plus years, those payments are coming back. They're going to be happening here at the end of September. Make sure you include that in your budget. And then lastly, again, anecdotally, Disney streamers, Disney Plus, prices going up. Make sure you have that on your radar screen as well. Well, friends, it has been a pleasure to be with you on this week's Dollars and Cents show. My name is Joshua Doby. I'll see you again soon.